Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to A Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, in a really, really busy day for Milwaukee basketball. I did have a few people reach out to me, and we're going to talk about the trade. We're going to talk about the game here, but I had a couple of people reach out and say, are you doing an emergency pod? And I said, well, there's a game going on right now. What do you want me to do? Do an emergency podcast? while there is a game going on, so we couldn't do that. But we also learned our lesson uh, going a little bit early with trades in the offseason. So I did want to give this one at least a couple of hours to play itself out a little bit. But just as far as the show goes, there's going to be two pods. This is a post-game pod. We're going to talk about Bucks and Sixers, but make sure you check out the feed uh, for all the talk about PJ Tucker. We're going to dive into that. And obviously, there's no better man to do that with than Frank, particularly with the money side of things. Uh, with that trade. Uh, One last reminder about the Locker Room app. I had a bunch of people follow me on that app uh, today after yesterday's live show. So download the Locker Room app and make sure you follow me there and we can get you guys involved in the show next week when we do another live show. So the Bucks beat the Sixers in overtime, 109-105. And Frank, the first half of this game was a disaster from the Bucks' point of view. 26% from the field, 5%, which is actually hard to believe, 5% from three, 31 points. Thank goodness they found a way to get a few buckets in the second half because this game had me feeling like I was back in 2005 watching the Pistons and Spurs in just a defensive, physical tussle. It was not a masterpiece, let's say that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about how to you know summarize this game and <laughs> I, I wanted to be clear this was not a fun game this was a yeah. fun outcome this was a fun ending uh, but from a Bucks perspective uh, you know most of the first three quarters were, were pretty brutal to watch and really not until the end of the third quarter did they really show you know some some sustained signs of life and I think that makes this an interesting game from a talking points perspective because Obviously, you, you, you feel like you really should win this game with Joel Embiid out. Flip side, you know, Philly's playing at home for whatever reason. They've always, this, this, you know, these the Sixer teams have been way better at home uh, than on the road. But they were 17-3 and three coming in tonight, even with limited fans. There's, there's for whatever reason, there's been um, some, some, you know, mojo going on for the Sixers at home. Um, and watching that first half is the Bucks. I think there are two things going on. I mean, one, they were not able to hit any threes, which is is a problem. Um, but the other side was, I mean, Philly was doing a really good job preventing Giannis um, and and Chris and Drew as well from really getting having kind of any air once they got inside the three point line. And Giannis has four points in the first half. I thought Ben Simmons was a guy that we you know have thought, hey, he's he's not strong enough to really kind of bang with Giannis around the basket, but I thought Simmons did a really nice job against Giannis. 
Um, you know, they had some switches, other guys kind of filled in, they were able to show help and strip the ball and just kind of make Giannis feel like he couldn't play in with any type of room or space. And so brutal first half from Giannis, brutal first half from the Bucks. I mean, 31 points and a half, right? I think, I think I saw the stat that was the, the previous low scoring first half for the Bucks was like 42 points this, this, this season. So not even close to that. And, you know, especially when they came out in the third quarter and they, they kind of, you know, hit a couple shots, but really weren't reeling the Sixers in. Um, I kind of just started thinking back to, you know, the fact that this is a team that last year didn't really face many big deficits. Philly being one of the, the, the more obvious ones you can remember on Christmas Day. And they just obviously never had it in that game. But they never really were a team that, that, that went down and then came back. And that has obviously carried over to this season where, They've obviously lost some games by big margins and they really haven't shown much ability to come back. And I was surprised. I didn't realize that they didn't have any double digit comebacks until Jim Pashi mentioned it during the Washington game. And obviously they came back and won that game, thankfully. And so I think, you know, the, the, the big takeaway from this for me, you know, the fun part was watching obviously Giannis take over down the stretch and the Bucks making enough plays in that, you know, late in the fourth quarter, and then they stopped making plays and the Sixers started making plays. Um, but down the stretch in the fourth, obviously they they were able to, to show their quality and the fact that they are more talented than this version of the Sixers. And that's obviously always good to see closing out games. Um, but I thought just, you know, showing some intestinal fortitude to play solid defense, lock in, and not let a struggle from three and, and the struggles inside the, inside the half court as well, um, you know, inside the arc, kind of get them too bogged down and get them too discouraged because I mean at some point in the in the playoffs you're going to have to come down come back from a deficit and win a game that you're maybe not supposed to and last year obviously we saw the Bucks not able to do that and ultimately be eliminated in part because they gave up some big leads and they never really came back from from any big ones um, so I thought that was kind of the most encouraging thing from from this game was just seeing the Bucks kind of shrug off a horrendous you know the worst first half they've had all year and against a Philly team that obviously can play really good defense. Uh, they, they showed some, some character and some, you know, some guts and um, you know, ultimately we saw the best player on the floor play like it in overtime. And that's obviously a really fun thing to see. It's been a fun trend over the last couple of weeks, actually, because I know me and you have had this conversation a lot about the fact that the yeah. haven't been yeah, in Clipper a game too. to come back. Clippers uh, Pelicans was another game where, <laughs> It was close. I, I can't quite remember, but I know through that game, uh, that was one that they needed to pull out late uh, down the stretch as well. So really, over the course of the last couple of weeks here, they've really pulled out some impressive wins that, quite honestly, we haven't come to expect uh, from them in those situations. And the one thing I will say defensively, I know you mentioned this before we started recording, they're up to eighth in defensive efficiency now and this was the defense i mean was really what kept them in the game because the Sixers themselves don't have one quarter in this one where they score more than 30 points and uh, they only had 45 at the half as well which under normal circumstances if you're watching a milwaukee game and they hold a team to 45 points at the half you just assume that you're up by double digits so that was the the kind of funny thing uh, about this game here uh, you mentioned Giannis, and obviously he took over down the stretch in regulation, even though the Bucks were struggling to get stops and they really blew it uh, late in that fourth quarter, I like the fact that you got a three from Brooke, you got a three from Dante DiVincenzo, you got Drew Holiday hitting a big shot from the corner as well. So in terms of 
again, the Bucks coming up in a close game, it's always felt to me that it simply had to be Giannis or it had to be Chris Middleton. Middleton was really a non-factor from a scoring perspective uh, down the stretch here. Uh, we can talk about the layup if you want. I mean, he did get that uh, bucket there toward the end of the fourth. But I do, again, like the fact that we're seeing other guys um, not only being trusted to take the shots, but they want to take the shots. And DiVincenzo is a guy we've always sort of theorized based on his college career that he's someone that you think would at least have the confidence to shoot that shot. Drew Holiday has said repeatedly that he wants the ball and he wants to be in those close moments. Do you feel better about the, the lineup that the Bucks can put down the stretch, the different guys that they have that can shoot uh, or make a shot in a close game? Because it hasn't always resulted in a win this season. But we've certainly seen more of a variety, to me, it feels like, of guys that uh, have been knocking those down throughout the season so far. All right, I'm going to jump in with a quick note from betonline.ag, Frank, which is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, Whether it's NBA or college basketball with March Madness about to get going, or maybe it's the hockey, I don't know. Maybe it's the NHL, who knows? Whatever you want to bet on, uh, they've got all the options there, as well as awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Uh, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, use the promo code LOCKED ON there. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. And I think I was on the show today. So you can get all the updates you need on latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It it was interesting in a game that that obviously was most notable for its lack of of shooting and marksmanship. Um, That the Bucs did manage to to hit some big threes late in the fourth and and, in overtime, I thought. Um, you know, Brooke hitting some, coming up with hitting a couple big shots. I mean, he had a nice night, 14 points, seven rebounds. He was a plus 11, game high plus 11 tonight. Um, obviously, the fact that, you know, Tony Bradley and Dwight Howard played, you know, essentially most of the game, one of them was on the floor, really helped with, with Brooke being able to stay on the floor. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Dante. Quite, I, I really didn't realize how big of a, an offensive performance he had. Um, but I think he, he really was a guy that actually, you know, I think hit some shots when things were just kind of ugly, <laughs> when the Bucks were just sort of like, looks like they were just sort of mailing it in there, um, in the second quarter and, and parts of the third quarter. Um, you know, he made some plays, hit some shots to, to kind of keep them in it and, uh, him finishing with, with 20 points on seven of 16, four of nine from three, eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure we'll get to maybe some questionable defensive decisions by him um, being maybe a little too aggressive at times. Um, but, you know, unlike the last play of, over, of regulation, you know, when uh, he, he kind of gambles, goes for a steal and Korkmaz gets a wide open three out of it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, DiVincenzo hitting some big shots in, in his, you know, collegiate uh, hometown uh, where he's obviously played uh, with Villanova and, and made some big plays. And, you know, Drew Holiday, I think we also want to make sure we call him out because, you know, Drew's kind of been a guy that I think what we've seen from him really since opening night in Boston is, you know, he's a guy who, I mean, Bucks, the Bucks offense is not going to be clear out for Drew Holiday and let him go to work. But uh, I think he's shown 
a good knack for popping up and, and making big plays, hitting big shots. None obviously bigger than the shot against Memphis uh, before the All-Star break, but uh, he hit a big three late in, in um, uh, regulation, which you thought was sort of the game ceiling three uh, mm-hmm. from the corner. Um, had a, a big drive to the basket uh, when Philly sort of like bubble seemed to forget about him, but go right down Main Street for a layup. I think that was in overtime, I think, right? When he had that layup, or was that late in regulation too? I can't, I can't remember. That was regulation. When, when somebody, Before the Dante play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hit some uh, free throws late uh, as well. And, you know, for him to, to put up 19 points, six assists, six rebounds, three steals. Um, and, and certainly we saw again tonight the Bucks using that switching approach on the perimeter between Giannis, Chris, and Drew was – clearly important because you've got Tobias, you've got Simmons, um, Danny Green, you have a number of guys that are um, pretty big uh, and certainly Tobias and and Simmons can use that size against, you know, if you're switching a a normal point guard against Tobias or Simmons, that could be a problem. And we saw Drew repeatedly, you know, go and get, get taken to the post by Simmons and, you know, Simmons um, I thought played great defense for much of the night on Giannis, but, you look at the box score, six out of 16, 13 points, seven turnovers from him. He does have a triple double, but you know, I think that's, that's an inter- one of the really interesting dimensions of, of this matchup between these teams is Simmons, the Bucks, I think defensively match up very well against Simmons because you know, he can't quite get downhill against the Bucks defenders the way he does against a lot of other teams. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think Drew and, you know, he, he made the comment after the game that I think he, he likes winning in Philly uh, as a former Sixer who was traded. Uh, so it was fun to see him step up, make plays, and, and 41 minutes from a guy, 41 good minutes from a guy who we, we know has been battling the after effects of COVID-19. That's a, a really nice milestone for him. You obviously don't want to have to put him up for 41 minutes very often um, during the regular season, but for him to be able to go the distance tonight and continue to make plays late, um, certainly is a, is hopefully a good sign that, that he's, you know, dare we say kind of over, um, you know, whatever after effects he might've had from, from COVID-19, which we know some people, I mean, it can, it can stretch out for, for quite some time. So hopefully, um, this was sort of, you know, some indication that, that he's feeling pretty good and that, uh, he's back to the guy that we saw, uh, before, before he went out with the, uh, with the health protocol stuff. Well, while we're talking about Drew, I mean, you already mentioned a couple of times that, Simmons tried to take him into the post, particularly early in the game. He did it repeatedly without a whole lot of success. And again, really, this was the continuation of Ben Simmons' struggle. And I know he had a triple-double, but this felt like the continuation of his struggles against the Bucks in terms of his ability to score. And I know that he's not known as a, as a huge scorer, but he really just doesn't have much influence against the Bucs and a lot of that is Brooke Lopez and the way that the Bucs have defended and they know that they can just sag off him on the perimeter now he did hit a three uh, <laughs> to, to end the game there but uh, that's I think the second three he's hit in that type of situation this season but the seven turnovers were notable but the one thing that was frustrating me throughout this game and the Bucs they I, I don't know what it is but they really don't have a good handle on defending a guy like Simmons and keeping their eye on what he's doing and also their man. I mean, it was kind of, and Simmons does this against most teams and he's a terrific player. I understand that. But there were so many times where the Bucs would just get caught ball watching 
and a guy would just simply take a few steps to the left or right and find himself open for an open three. Now, overall, the Sixers were only 14 for 41. That's 34%. So it's not like they torched uh, Milwaukee in this one by any stretch of the imagination, but there were certainly a couple of threes in that stretch in the third quarter where the Bucks looked like they were starting to make a move, but then the Sixers would, would hit a timely shot, and you did get the feeling that oh, maybe it's just going to be one of those nights where they can't get back into the game. Uh, Simmons is great. He's a fantastic passer, but the Bucks, uh, they do. I mean, they, they just struggle to keep their eye on their man and the ball, and, uh, and it burnt them again a few times tonight. Yeah, he, you know, Simmons, the way he probes, um, and Giannis obviously is, is giving him room to, to you know, he's, he's pretty far off him at all times. Um, but I, I think one of the things that, that you just have to be careful with him is when you know, he's sort of probing around like the foul line and, you know, there's, you got, you got Dwight out there for obviously much of the night and Dwight gave them, you know, a pretty good stat line here, 13 points on, on 11 shots, 15 rebounds, had a couple nice putbacks, but five fouls and a minus 13 in 30 minutes. So, um, you know, the, the net result of, of Dwight's minutes were, were obviously generally not very, very positive. Uh, Giannis, when he, when he, you could tell, you know, he was trying, they were using screens to try to get Giannis um, free from Simmons so that he could attack Dwight. And he did that repeatedly, including on that key play uh, late in, in overtime where it was 103.98 and got a switch onto Dwight and really just attacked him kind of straight down around the back dribble, Dwight you know, essentially like fell backwards. And uh, Giannis, it, it would have been nicer if Giannis had sort of cleanly handled it, picked it up and, and hit it that little short step back. Um, but <laughs> he had a little bobble, uh, but hit the step back to make it 105.98. And then, uh, you know, as they were going to timeout, ends up, you know, going sort of past half court um, and, and taking a seat. Uh, <laughs> taking a seat on the floor uh, as his teammates were surrounding him, which was kind of funny. Uh, seemed like some Sixers fans were unhappy about it. He did not sit on the logo, by the way. If anybody was thinking that, he was he was basically like at the free throw line, or sorry, at the three point line, the the, the Sixers three point line. So, um, so I guess whatever. If you're not Philly fans, he didn't, you know, mock take a a dump on your logo or something like that. It was taking a dump on your three point line, which um, the Bucks did for most of the night uh, anyway. But um, but yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, uh, you know, it was, it, it was um, a really nice way for Giannis to sort of end this game and a game that we did not expect. Uh, certainly, I, you know, if you told me at halftime that Giannis would score 32 and take over late uh, in a Bucks win, I would have said, I can see that because we've had, I mean, every time he has a terrible first half, he always seems to have a monster second half. You know, I, I feel like Utah is the team he usually does this against. Um, but he has a knack for this, right? I remember that game in OKC a, a few years ago, like two, three years ago, where he had like two points at halftime and he finished with like 30. And he has a knack for, you know, and this is what great players do, right? They, they adapt, they adjust, and they find ways to, to you know, get buckets or they put back offensive rebound, get some cheap stuff, whatever. Um, and that's obviously what he did. And it was really necessary because certainly Chris really struggled. I mean, eight turnovers from Chris was, was I mean, I he didn't have a good ball handling. I thought Thibel and Danny Green and those guys and Simmons, I thought they did a really nice job just kind of swarming um, Giannis and uh, and Chris uh, really well when they were kind of getting to the elbows and in those areas. Um, but, uh, you know, thankfully Giannis was able to turn it on and perhaps not a triple-double. He had six turnovers himself. I think three of those may have been offensive fouls. Um, I, I, a couple of those, I was really I was really confused as to what, what even the call was. I thought there were like maybe a couple of really questionable offensive fouls on him. Um, 
But, uh, you know, 22 turnovers from the Bucks tonight, uh, 20 from the Sixers, just, yeah, a whole lot of ugly uh, from both teams, even on top of those missed shots. And, uh, you know, thankfully the Bucks, they, they find a way, as, as they have been doing of late, and cloud a win. And I, I did just check. So they had a 92 offensive rating tonight, an 89 defensive rating. Um, they had one, I think they had one game that was a better defensive rating this year against the Bulls um, a while back where they had just barely a better defensive rating. And as far as offensive ratings go, um, I'll give you one guess as to how many times they've been under 100 offensive rating this season, Kane. Hmm, well, let me think. Uh, probably I, the Thunder game feels like they might might have been under 100. They were pretty bad on that night. Um, there must have been one other time. Two? Twice? Uh, zero games, it looks like. Hmm. They were at exactly 100 in the second Toronto loss at home. Mm, yeah, that's um, pretty ugly. I'm trying to think because I, I agree. Like that OKC game was really ugly too. But no, that's they the were first one that stands out. They, yeah, they were 107.9 in that game. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah. But, but yes, this was the least efficient Buck scoring night of the season. And it's kind of funny when we were when you mentioned. I think you called the the Sixers. I listened to you and Justin talking on the podcast from, from today. Um, and I think one of you referred to the Sixers net Knicks game, which was a 99 96 final as a rock fight. <laughs> um, and I, I, I kept, I kept thinking during the game today, I was like, well, if you tell me the Sixers only scored 99 points again tonight, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. <laughs> and so all, all during the game, I sort of had that in the back of my memory. And I'm kind of thinking, uh, I think they only need 99 points to win this game. <laughs> and uh, eventually they, they didn't get to 99. I think it was 93, 93 at, through regulation. So neither team gets to 99 uh, in regulation and needed overtime to, to get to, to crack 100. But uh, yes, yeah, so a bit of a throwback game in that regard. And ultimately, as you mentioned, Sixers were, were okay from three, 14 out of 41 bucks, nine out of 39. Bryn Forbes, 0 for 6 from three, 0 for 10 overall in this game. So I guess that's the the mean reversion kicking in from that seven out of seven game the other night from three. But uh, yeah, this was, um, again, this was not, not a, not a beauty contest or if it was um, everybody lost, uh, but thankfully um, bucks ultimately find a way. And um, you know, I, I was also just happy. I think Giannis has been playing so well lately. It would have been annoying for him to kind of lay an egg on national TV and a loss to the Sixers without Embiid. So I, I thought it was just fun from a narrative standpoint for him to kind of keep that momentum going and, you know, make it fun to listen to national podcasts, at least for another, <laughs> another couple of days. It's Built Bar Madness time, Frank. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. It is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. But now it's time to find out which bar is the best ever because it's Built Bar Madness. Now, go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter to make sure you check out all the sweetest 16 matchups as these bars are trying to get through to the enticing eight. Uh, we've been running through some of the matchups here today, but you got to check it out yourself and make sure you vote. I've been doing that myself. And once you do that, also remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. 
When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Show, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Follow the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. This was really a game that the Bucks had to win. I mean, we can talk about the yeah. fact that, yeah, they weren't shooting well, but you just have to take advantage of this with no Joel Embiid. The Sixers, incredibly, you talk about their offensive efficiency and the way that these last couple of games they've really struggled to score without Embiid. It shouldn't be all that surprising because they're 14th in offense for the season. So they are really a middle-of-the-road team. And they've had Embiid for the majority of that. So you take that away. This is how they're going to try and win games. And they're going to do it defensively with Simmons and Thibel and those types of guys. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Bucks to get through such an awful shooting night, I think is, yeah, it's a positive. And the Bucks are now only a game and a half behind the Sixers. So all these wins count. They've won 10 of their last 11. They're 26 and 14 on the season. So uh, they're, they're in good shape because they do have some big games coming up here. Uh, before we wrap this up, because I know we want to record and talk about the trade as well, the Giannis sitting down thing, you already referenced that. Uh, I know you messaged me when this happened and you said, well, I'm going to pod tonight regardless of whether the Bucks blow this or not. And that happened just after that incident. And I think I responded something along the lines of, Giannis is really fucking with the, the sports karma gods here. And do I think that it was that offensive? No, I don't. Like, I don't really care. Like, I, I think that it was perhaps noteworthy because we just don't really see basketball players celebrate that uh, so much. But last year, Giannis did the crown. This year, he's sitting on the floor. And I don't even think he knew what it meant. And he said that after the game. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just sat down. I felt like sitting down, so I did it. So I don't think that it was meant as uh, disrespectful. But the Sixers are already using it in the postgame. Dwight Howard, who was really acting like a clown all night, has come out and said, well, we'll see them again, so we'll remember that. So they're definitely using that. The one thing you'll say for Giannis, he's not scared of uh, stoking stoking some flames early in the regular season. I'm I'm trying to remember a game where Giannis smiled more during the game than this. Yeah, uh, we well, talked he missed the, other the free night throw, of... and he was cracking up laughing with the what? Smacked him on the ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the funny part is um, is uh, yeah that was a play where where again early, I think it was I think it was early in the fourth quarter again the, the Bucks were trying to get Giannis switched onto to Dwight so that he could attack that and you know he did that again and drove and and got an and one on Dwight and. Um, you know, they were kind of joking about something. So I, I'd, I'd love to know what they were joking about um, because they were, they were having some kind of back and forth. Giannis was sort of smiling and laughing, like as he was about to take a free throw, which <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember ever Giannis, like not being just sort of locked in to shoot a free throw. Uh, and Dwight was, then there was some shot of Dwight kind of joking with somebody right after that. And, you know, of course, Giannis, um, when things were going well, he was smiling at times and, and obviously, after that shot, uh, the the kind of ran very random celebration. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, but I agree. I I think in hindsight, I really wish he hadn't done the crowning thing against LeBron um, <laughs> in the Lakers uh, last season early. Because yeah, that 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 I mean, this this it's not like sitting down like that is is directed at anybody. The crown thing, obviously. Uh, felt like it was a, you know, I'm taking your crown LeBron type type thing and certainly a poking the bear type moment with this one. You know, I don't, I mean, it's not like that's anybody's move or something like that. Um, and he didn't sit on the logo, thankfully, which, you know, I guess <laughs> symbolically would be, we were, but yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, uh, I kind of prefer just, you know, sort of 
moving on and whatever. But, you know, Giannis said it, as he said in the post game, he's just having fun. And I think um, we talked about the other day, I think his, his, he's in a, been in a really good headspace for quite a while now, since really after that kind of rough start, I think he's just been enjoying himself. And, you know, um, I, I think that's obviously just something that's really good for him. And hopefully it translates into obviously continued success in the regular season. I thought it was interesting his comments the other day about, you know, not really that he's not really thinking about the playoffs. Cause it's just like, you can't, you know, there's no point in stressing about it. They've got 30 some games to go. Like what, you know, why, why sit around stressing about the playoffs? You know, you're just going to kill yourself doing that. And so he's just sort of enjoying, you know, enjoying himself. And um, thankfully he had, he had uh, ample time to enjoy himself tonight here, especially with, uh, especially with some, some, some nervous moments late, but, but ultimately um, coming away with the win. I don't do, do you want to talk at all about like the, I don't know if we want to talk about the end of game play, which was basically the Chris, Mid- Chris Middleton play that the Sixers got. They're tying three on. Um, I don't know that we need to, you know, relitigate uh, kind of the end of game play. We kind of mentioned, you know, Dante gambling, um, which, you know, sort of that, that this game was, was sort of like a very Dante DiVincenzo type type game. He, he had, you know, this was the, the highest of highs from Dante and, some some Dante defensive mistakes as well, but I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to hit on as far as the the late game play or anything else. Well, the one thing that I would say about this, and I'd be interested to know whether you feel the same way. As I was watching that, I was thinking to myself, well, that's that's a ridiculous steal attempt. But then I thought to myself, I think about that, I think that most of the time when Dante pulls it off. And to mm. me, He's just that kind of player that sometimes he'll do things that will make you scratch your head, but at the same time, you just understand that he's an all or nothing type of player. I mean, that's what makes him disruptive. That's what makes him an impactful defensive player. And Bud was asked about it after the game. And he said, Dante is making a competitive play, trying to keep the catch from happening. Now, it's certainly not something we want to do and we want to be able to make that three more difficult but he lays it all out there. He's a big reason we were able to win tonight. And I kind of feel the same as Bud. I mean, I can't sit here and be angry at Dante because if you tell him to, to not do that or, or to never try and make those plays, then you're significantly reducing his impact. So, yeah, I mean, it was unnecessary probably. You'd rather just see him allow the catch and try and get a hand in Korkmaz's face. I mean, that would be the ideal situation there, try and force a difficult three, not a wide-open practice three. But it's Dante. I mean, yeah, and yeah, and I, and I think um, it, it's going to be really interesting. I think we'll, uh, we'll we're going to talk about the trade in the other podcast, but I think it's going to be interesting because he's really going to be the the small guy on the floor here, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, moving forward in in Bucks lineups with with you know PJ Tucker likely being the the fourth guy, um, and I think he's he's going to be the one guy who I think is going to have you know we saw him have struggles with Russell Westbrook um, and his physicality. And um, he, he's an interesting piece because he's going to play differently than, than most of the other guys in part because he doesn't have that size. Um, he do, is going to gamble. Um, you know, he was a beneficiary of, of a steal uh, when Milton was trying to, to post, trying to get Simmons posted up against him um, and Dante came up with a steal. Um, so he, he's one of those guys, you know, there's, there's going to be downside sometimes uh, with the way he plays, but the Bucks, you know, they, they're a team that doesn't force a lot of turnovers. And so, you know, I think that that's one dimension for better or worse that, that Dante brings is he is kind of that, does have kind of that ball hawking mentality. Um, 
And, you know, I, I just think back to, I think it was early in the fourth quarter when they were making that run and, you know, Connaughton gets a couple of buckets and, and Dante had him on the break for, for one of those really nice passes that got Pat a, a reverse layup that brought the Bucks from, I think, to 75-71. And at that point, it was really like game on. And, and so um, Dante's not going to give you 28-5 every night, uh, but you're going to need him to do this semi-regularly at least and, and be that threat and give you 15 points and, and not just be a guy that's, you know, giving you 10 points every night. Cause I, I think there's going to be nights where some of these guys are not making shots. And clearly tonight was, was an exaggerated example of the guys not making shots. And obviously Dante was, was a really critical guy to, to come through with those big 20 big points. Yeah. Nine points off the bench tonight for the Bucks. So if anything, that's the one negative that you just continue to keep an eye on the Bucks, particularly Portis and Forbes have struggled at times against uh, better teams. So we'll see how that plays out, but you're right. Uh, we do want to talk about this trade. So this is going to be a separate pod. So if you're listening to this prior to the PJ Tucker podcast, make sure you jump in the podcast feed and check that out. But the Bucks beat the Sixers 109-105. Uh, they've got the Spurs in a couple of days now. So another challenging matchup there. Uh, like I said, check out the, the trade pod. I guess you want to call it the semi-emergency pod. Uh, and then we'll speak to you guys next time.